Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Gary D. McGugan is back with us today to talk about his latest novel, A Slippery Shadow. It's a treacherous tale of mystery, mayhem, and betrayal as a covert shadow wreaks havoc across the globe at the highest levels of power. Before we get started, here's the inside scoop on Gary D. McGugan. Recently awarded a gold medal in the mystery thriller category of the 2021-2022 Reader Views Literary Awards, Writing started for Gary after a 40-year career in the world of business. He's worked in supermarkets, sold appliances, distributed motorcycles, launched an automobile dealer network, and provided financing to help businesses grow. Every industry was very different from the other, though each company had a distinctive culture and character, and all were units of large corporations with operations around the globe. Travel has always been a large component of his business roles, and he's now visited more than 650 towns and cities in more than 50 countries for either business or leisure. Experts say we should write about the things we know best, and in Gary's case, those subjects are business, travel, and people. As an author, his goal is to entertain readers around the world, one book at a time. For more information about Gary D. McGugan and his work, visit GaryDMcGuganBooks.com. Well, hi, Gary. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Thank you for having me back, Sherry. Yeah. Last time you were on the show, it was a little over a year ago, and we were talking about your book, A Web of Deceit. And it looks like it's really been a busy year for A Web of Deceit, because among other things, uh, you took home the gold medal in the mystery thriller category in the Reader Views Literary Awards program. So I just I wanted to say congratulations on that. Well, I thank you for that. The feedback on A Web of Deceit has been very good. We've had some excellent reviews, and the feedback I get from readers is very positive. Um, still, it's uh, it's always a little bit of a surprise when we win an, an award, so I appreciate it and uh, find it very uh, very gratifying that you folks enjoy the story uh, as much as uh, our readers seem to. Yeah. From my perspective, it's kind of hard to imagine surpassing each novel like I feel like you surpass each novel with the next one that you do but A Web of Deceit was by far my favorite so I'm, I was excited when it took the gold medal in the awards program and your next novel what we're going to talk about today is Slippery Shadow follows A Web of Deceit in storyline can you tell us what A Slippery Shadow is all about sure I'd be happy to and I'll, I'll just point out that um, some of the early feedback we've had on it includes comments like uh, the best yet, even better than a web of deceit. So uh-huh. uh, I think readers are going to find it very enjoyable. It's a suspense thriller. And uh, in the story, I reveal some of the unexpected challenges uh, people who lead enterprises just might encounter when a mysterious player pulls some strings behind the scenes. And uh, A Slipper Shadow shows these challenges can affect either legitimate companies or criminal organizations equally. Mm-hmm. I have to ask, how did you come up with this storyline? This, this shadow is an intriguing figure, to say the least. Well, of course, I always try to be entertaining, but there's uh, 
you know, there's a lot of competition for the dollars available for entertainment. So I, I put a priority on that. Uh, but I recognize that there are also some fairly fundamental changes taking place in our global society that I try to reflect in my stories. It used to be that most countries were governed by uh, people who had spent the majority of their career in government or in politics. Mm-hmm. As a result, we're very familiar with how it worked and and how they fit into the global picture and so on. Uh, today, we find that you know some countries' political leaders were former entertainers or spies, uh, maybe business people or or military officers, but many come to the role without that background of uh, government and political experience. Yeah. And at the same time, corporations have become global. Uh, they generate revenues far greater than most of us can even conceptualize. And while all that's going on, organized crime has actually become a little bit sanitized and control actually supposedly legitimate companies traded on public stock markets. Mm. So what a slippery shadow suggests is what might happen when a player in one of those sectors, political, corporate, or criminal, decides to pull strings to influence what they want to happen and how easily it all might take form. So while I'm entertaining my readers, I'd like them to think about the possible implications and how those actions might eventually touch all of us in in some unexpected ways. Yeah, yeah, we've certainly seen a lot of that going on in the world today. What kind of perspectives or beliefs have you challenged through your story? Well, A Slippery Shadow was finished before Russia recently invaded Ukraine. But for many years now, I think people weighing the events and watching the events in Russia might have actually predicted this recent invasion. In A Slippery Shadow, I demonstrate several ways that Russia tries to influence our global evolution. And while my story is pure fiction, I think readers will relate to the behavior and events taking place now in other parts of the world and find them actually similar to some that they read about in A Slippery Shadow. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I read it before all of this happened um, with what's going on with Russia and, and such, but I know you like to you know, keep things real in your fiction, so you definitely make those ties. You know, for me, as always, your characters hit the mark, especially your fierce females. That's what I always refer to your your ladies as, Fidelia Morales and Suzanne Simpson. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the Web of Deceit just a minute ago. And what I really liked about their characters in that novel was how you showed their leadership abilities and, and their ability to compartmentalize in the face of challenges. And in A Slippery Shadow you kind of showed us yet another side to them. I feel like we kind of got inside their heads a little bit more and you showed how two strong and independent women were when they were at their most vulnerable. And I really, I enjoyed that vulnerability and seeing that because I'm used to seeing the superhero parts of them. And so it was really nice for me to see that vulnerability. Was it challenging at all to bring that vulnerability to the page? Well, it's a bit of a challenge, Um, but, you know, I think there are a couple of factors that influence most how I I try to write from a female point of view. 
Um, I've, I've actually had the good fortune to work closely with women for more than 50 years. And mm. uh, these women have been colleagues and customers, suppliers and friends. And, and uh, as, as a result, I've been able to see how women negotiate and that reveals some of their inner processes. And I've seen reactions to their uh, victories or accomplishments and then observed how some had to actually cope with adversity. Mm. So I think when I take these interactions and treat them as an opportunity to learn and, and must confess the behaviors of both genders have fascinated me for a long time. <laughs> Uh, when it's time to write and create dialogue or dig deep for emotion, like the vulnerability that you sense, I try to recall real people in, in sort of similar circumstances and, and remember things that they said or, or actions that they took. And I think that by being able to recall vividly some of those memories can help me make my characters and their dialogue feel uh, more genuine to a reader. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, I just love your ladies. But of course, there's one character that you have um, that honestly, I don't know how he's made it this far with all the ups and downs <laughs> he's experienced. And, you know, I'm talking about Howard Knight. Is he a fan favorite? Because I really enjoy him. I, I like to like him in one novel. I like to dislike him in the next. Uh, what do your fans say about him? Well, I must confess, I haven't seen any Howard Knight groupies at any of the uh, in-store author events that I do, but uh, he consistently intrigues my readers. In the first story, uh, Three Weeks Less a Day, um, Howard was probably the most despised character. Yeah. And uh, in the Multima scheme and unrelenting peril that followed, I, I put him in different circumstances that showed different elements of his rather uh, complex personality. And then in Pernicious Pursuit, he became a clear favorite of most of the readers. Yeah. Uh, so in A Slippery Shadow, uh, I think the poor guy deals with so much adversity, it's, it's, it's hard for most readers uh, to resist a, a pretty strong tug of appeal. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually felt sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll bounce back, may maybe. I don't know that. I'm just guessing. So <laughs> He usually does. He usually does, yeah. So this uh, slippery shadow, they never surfaced he or she. Do you plan to keep that identity elusive or will he, will he come to the surface one day? You know, that's a great question. And I still don't have an answer in my own mind yet. Ah. I watch, as you can tell, I watch world events. And I think future events over this next several months will probably determine um, if I see a future role for this slippery shadow character or not. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's certainly enough going on in the world that he might make, he or she, I keep saying he, but it might be a she, they might make an appearance. So <laughs> I think for me in A Slippery Shadow, the most surprising development was the level of betrayal. I was, oh my gosh, I... <laughs> You had so many key players betray other key players that it was, that just really surprised me. And one, where do you come up with those ideas? And two, can't you ever just let your characters be happy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and wouldn't it be nice if we could also achieve world peace, right? <laughs> 
the uh, you know it's true human nature is bewildering i've observed that people generally do seek happiness but then they do things that make it elusive And I think that's where uh, I get the ideas for the stories. And I think for as long as we have that dichotomy, I'll probably have lots of material to create entertaining stories. And uh, I do try to reflect life. I mean, life really, for most people, uh, exists with brief interludes of happiness countered by events or characters that are determined to ensure that that happiness never becomes totally permanent. Yeah, yeah. Well, listeners, there are some key moments that really just blew me away. And I can't, I I think about it, you know, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) I loved it, because it was complete surprise. So well, you, you mentioned how you come up with the story ideas. So is it challenging at all for you to come up with new ideas or to, I think, like I mentioned earlier, surpass the work you've done previously? Or do you even look at it that way? I don't think that I look at it quite that way. You know, I, I, I try to make every chapter of my story exciting. And uh, what that involves is uh, constantly reassessing where we are headed and how we can create those twists and turns that we all enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to make writing fun. And when I approach writing with that perspective that I want to make every chapter as as equally exciting as as the one before and after, um, it's really fun for me to write. And surprisingly, the ideas flow. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you outline? Does that help your ideas flow? The outline to me is the most basic document. I really do know how I want to start, how I want to finish, and a little bit of the middle. Mm. But as I write, I would say that almost every chapter would change, uh, maybe not dramatically, but significantly from the original idea that I had. Mm. Okay, yeah. Because I wondered if, and, and I know it's different for everybody, but some people like to create an outline and then you know, they can plug in parts of the story as it comes to them. So I was just wondering a little bit about your process. So yeah, nice. Do you write every day? When I am writing, uh, when I'm working on a book, I write every day. Uh, my routine is uh, from nine until noon uh, is dedicated exclusively to writing. And then uh, I still maintain my habit of uh, an afternoon walk uh, I've had to shorten them a little bit from the previous two hours. They're now an hour, an hour and a half. Mm. But um, that is a time that I use for thinking about the story and actually uh, do a reassessment of what I just wrote and think about what I'm going to write for the next day. Yeah. So you actually do a lot of prep for your writing then. Three hours a day is a long time. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a slow typist. (laughs) Oh, yeah, me too. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So Now... I know travel has always played an important part in your writing process, but it's always a big part of your stories. And I know the travel has changed significantly over the last years, Um, but you've also been traveling for many years. So has it impacted your stories at all? The um, lack of the ability to travel as freely? 
Yeah, I, I, as you say, travel has played an, an extremely uh, significant role in my life. I have traveled consistently since I was in my very early 20s. And uh, like most people, um, I hadn't traveled for the last uh, almost two years. Mm. Um, a Web of Deceit and, and A Slippery Shadow were both written and published during the pandemic. So for those stories, of course, I was using a great deal of memory. Uh, I have thousands and thousands of photos in my collection. Mm. And I can always go to Google to research and, and fill any blanks that may occur. But because when I travel, I usually spend weeks or, or months in a foreign location, uh, rather than, you know, just a few days. Um, my experiences in that locale are usually quite rich. I try to live with the people of the country rather than visit a hotel or a resort. And, mm. and uh, from that, you know, I, I learn from personal interactions and, and those long walks that I take every day. So I think I develop an intimacy with that location so that when I use it, um, I think that intimacy reflects in my stories. Okay. And, and some of your experiences while there probably make it into the stories somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you couldn't tell with the last two novels that you haven't traveled. So, and, and that's kind of what I was saying is like, well, you've traveled so much that I'm sure your recollection is, is, is very strong of these places that you write about as well. Exactly. Yeah. Now, last year when we talked and, and I asked you what was next, you said that you had actually planned to take a year off from your fiction writing um, when COVID first hit to maybe work on a, a memoir type project. Is that still in the cards for you? Yeah, you have a, you have a great memory. <laughs> uh, um, to be candid, I'm, I'm still very interested in the sort of memoirish direction, but I'm, I'm still unsure about the timing. You know, in the publishing world today, we authors are, are ultimately responsible for promoting our books to generate sales. Mm -hmm. So during this next uh, window from April to October of 22, I really plan to invest a considerable amount of time making personal appearances to, to bookstores across the country, uh, COVID permitting, of course. And yeah. uh, during that time, while I'm out talking with readers and traveling and uh, working on selling a few books, I, I'll decide then whether to immediately jump into a seventh novel or experiment with that work of nonfiction. Now, I notice you've been back in stores lately, Chapters Indigo mainly in Canada. Uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how's it feel getting back into the stores? It's wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm a writer who not only enjoys writing the story, I, I enjoy talking about it as well. So uh, it, for me, it's a real pleasure to meet the people who are interested in exploring what I write and want to talk about the books. And uh, so for me, it, it's, it's really uh, rejuvenating and, and mentally stimulating. So I, I enjoy it thoroughly. Yeah. And I think it's great just, I mean, being there and there's not, there can't be a better way to reach people than just being there in person with your books, ready to talk about them. <laughs> Well, that's, that's certainly my preference. Yeah, yeah. When you're in the stores, do you have people asking you when the next novel's coming out? Do you meet people that you already know or have met from previous book tours? 
Yes. And that's always rather gratifying because quite often uh, the first thing that they'll say is, I just finished reading such and such, maybe three weeks less a day, or it could be pernicious pursuit. And they ask, and what is the next one in the series? So that's always, uh, always a nice way to start a conversation. I have some folks who uh, decide during our conversation that they're actually going to buy the the entire set. And, and now that's that's six books at a time. So I don't get to see those people back very often, but oh, wow. uh, it, it's good to see the folks who buy one at a time and get some feedback from them and uh, hear what they did and didn't like about the stories. Yeah. Now, do you sell it as a six piece set? Uh, no, there are uh, stores where we do create packages where they would be bundled in a sleeve for a, a better value price. And mm. uh, we don't do that universally, but in certain stores, that would be an option. Okay, yeah. Because I know when we first met, I and I, I got to read your first three novels back to back, and then I had to wait. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I had to wait for you to catch up to me, you know. <laughs> so I mean, there are pros and cons to reading them all at once and to, you know, just going one at a time as as you go. Exactly. Now, you know, I follow you on social media, so I see all of these displays in these stores. They're really nice. And it occurred to me that I've never asked you about the artwork on your covers because I love the cover on A Slippery Shadow. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's spot on. So do you have someone design your covers or how do you create your covers? I have. There is a, uh, a member of our writing community who I met several years ago, who is herself a very good author. Mm. Uh, her name's Kim McDougall, and she uh, owns a company called Castle Lane. And Kim not only writes well, but she has great graphic art skills. Mm. And um, she's been uh, working with me on each of the last four novels and does a, an outstanding job. And uh, I can't compliment her work too often. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I can't believe I've never asked you that question before, because it, it's occurred to me with every time we've talked, because and then this cover just, like I said, really stood out to me as just perfect, perfect. Well, okay. thank you. I, I agree. I think she does an outstanding job. Yeah. So what are you working on now? Or, well, you're going to be out in stores for a while, you said, and marketing your books. And um, so does that mean you're not really actively working on anything right now? Or do you have an idea in the works? Or? Where are you right now with your next project? Yeah, I'm not actively working on anything at the moment. The The promotional work, uh, it demands a tremendous amount of uh, time and energy, and, and I don't like to, to split the focus. Um, there's surely going to be a, a seventh story about the goings-on at the summit of Multima Corporation, and, and I, I think it would be fair to assume that it'll include the main members of my cast of characters who provide all the intrigue and excitement. The only question, I think, is timing, and quite frankly, I expect emails will start soon asking when the next one will be ready, <laughs> and uh, that demand will probably determine how soon I, I release another story and get back to uh, that discipline of three hours every morning and so on. Yeah. Uh, but if I were to, I were to guess, uh, you know, probably in the latter part of 2023, uh, we'll probably see another one. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Well, of course, I always look forward to that, so... Don't let us down, Gary. We'll do our best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, 
with your experience that you've developed over the last couple of years, it sounds like you fine tuned your writing and your publishing and your marketing strategies. What has been the most important thing you've learned on your journey that you can pass along to other new authors? Well, I, I always tell any writer who asks the same thing, and that is uh, become a member of a writing community. Mm. I wish I had had that advice. It probably would have saved me considerable time and energy uh, in the process if I had started there and, and I didn't. Writing communities offer extraordinary value for authors. I belong to one called the Writers Community of York Region, and, and that's in Canada, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are hundreds of these communities across the globe, and, and they all offer an opportunity to network with other writers to learn what's working for them. Many of these communities also arrange guest speakers who share valuable tips and provide advice on the latest trends in publishing. Uh, they give information about writing skills to attract more readers. And uh, they talk about the ever-changing tastes of both book retailers and, and readers. It's a very useful environment for any writer, I think. Yeah, it sounds kind of like a mini uh, writers conference, however often you get together. In our case, that, that would be very true. And then we get together on a monthly basis. Oh, nice. But Susan and I, my business partner, Susan Violante, we're going to a writer's conference uh, with the Texas Writers League in a couple of months. And I'm excited. Uh, it's a great time for us to learn, too, you know, and, and keep up with the market trends and, and, and such. So, yeah, I think the writing community is very important. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, Gary, is there anything else you wanted to add today? Well, yeah, I'd like to uh, thank you for this opportunity. It's been great to share some of my thoughts with you and your readers. And I really want to express my appreciation for all the great work your organization does. Uh, you truly help uh, independent authors and publishers grow their readership. And I really want to thank you. Well, thank you. And, and thank you for sharing more about your work. And uh... Hopefully we'll talk in, you know, another year or so. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do our best to create that opportunity. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Gary D. McGugan, author of A Slippery Shadow. For more information about Gary and his work, visit his website at GaryDMcGuganBooks.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews on InsideScoopLive.com.